You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today's not going to be anything crazy. We're going to do exactly what we planned on doing because there's just nothing going on, man. Actually, that's not true. There is uh, a bit of news, not so much for the Packers, but things are starting to heat up and I'm getting a little bit excited. But so far, no real Packers stuff. Uh, So we are going to continue on and this time start looking at our away opponents, the tough road games. And starting off with the Dallas Cowboys. Before we get to all that though, um, and there are a few other things I want to get to, be sure to check the comment section. It's got a link to the Facebook group. It's got a link to uh, NFL Big Board for the draft. And then the phone number if you'd like to call for any questions or something you want to get off your chest. What grinds my gears? 608 so, first of all, some more Nick Foles news. Um, they did pick up that $20 million option, and very rapidly Nick Foles decided to pay the $2 million because, you know, I, I can't really fault the Eagles for trying to recoup a little bit of value, but Nick Foles is a guy that's maybe only wanting to play a couple more years, which, by the way, when I said I didn't understand why he wasn't worth more, that's probably the biggest reason why I guess he only wants to play like a year or two and he is he's I mean he's older either way but coming out and saying I only want to play a few more years is not going to help your value if you say I I want to play at a high level until I'm 40 45 get five more Super Bowls I want to be the next Tom Brady maybe it would hurt help your value I don't know but the point is if he is able to hit free agency which I tend to think is relatively unlikely he's probably going to absolutely bank If they franchise tag him, he's going to make the franchise tag, which apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, is about $25 million. Now, I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't get much more than that anyways. But um, clearly, he's he's betting on the fact that he's a Super Bowl-caliber person, and there are certain teams out there. I mean, just think how much certain teams like the Jaguars would grow leaps and bounds with a guy like that, with the Miami Dolphins, and not even that you wouldn't still draft a guy. It gives you a little bit of time so that if there's a quarterback you want to draft, you draft him. If not, you go in next year. But either way, you have a viable quarterback. And I think especially the Jaguars because they've got some talent around them anyways. They've got a running back. They've got a good defense. Get a guy like Foles, help your offensive line, get some wide receivers. I think the value of that, especially for a team like the Jaguars that's kind of toward the end of their road that really wants to make one more push at a Super Bowl, needs to do something a little more drastic. And I wouldn't be surprised if he could get a decent amount more than what the uh, the franchise tag is worth. Plus, it's a one-year thing, and when you're only looking at maybe two to three years, you want as much negotiating power as possible, and it just seems like the Eagles are really going to hurt him by putting a, a one-year $25 million tag on him. But, again, the alternative is the Eagles try to just be nice to him, which, let's face it, it's a little bit silly, and say, don't worry about it, we're not going to try to trade you for a third-round pick or a second-round pick or whatever it is we can get for him. We're just going to let him go because it's what's best for him. No, I'm taking my third, thank you very much. 
So expect that to come down the pipe a little bit. The other somewhat interesting news is that things are slowly starting to get wild and crazy on the podcast. Did you feel it? Did you feel that? It's power. The other other thing that's going on is things are slowly starting to happen in the NFL. It's not much, but we're starting to get little glimpses of people getting let go, people starting to shuffle around different players, and the Browns, I believe, actually officially picked somebody up off of waivers. So you got things like the Falcons cutting Robert Alford to save a little bit of money. These guys get thrown out there, teams start picking people up. You're starting to see this little bit of a shuffle dance going on. So starting around now-ish, whether it be Nick Perry or Brian Balaga or Lance Kendricks or, you know, even Jimmy Graham, even though they said they're not going to do that, somebody said, this is getting to be about that time when the Packers start to release players or other teams start to release players that are still under contract. So... Relatively big news there, but also keep an eye out for other teams throwing players out there that we could be interested in. Players that aren't on any free agent list because they're not free agents. Robert Alford, for the the Falcons cornerback, he's he wasn't a free agent. He had two more years left on his contract. Uh, the Jets released Spencer Long. So, a little bit of a flurry going on. The other little tiny tidbit of news, Antonio Brown was allegedly involved in some domestic dispute. His lawyer immediately jumped up and said, how dare you? This is outrageous, and that this is a big lying scheme from the uh, fake news media. He said, it's unfortunate that the media is trying to use distractions like this and prior stories in an effort to tarnish my client's name and reputation. We have no further comment." Now, it sounds almost like an admission there, but prior to that, he said the allegations are baseless and false. But it is a little bit funny that he thinks the media is trying to keep him down as if the media has any stake in this game whatsoever. Now, if you told me the Steelers are leaking fake information, not that I would necessarily believe it, but that'd be kind of funny. And it would add to the whole daytime drama that the NFL has become. But it is a little funny that he said it's unfortunate the media is trying to use distractions like this and prior stories. Like, what, what stories? What thing happened in the past that we're talking... You're not talking about this, right? Because this, this wasn't real. This didn't happen, I thought. But anyways, bottom line is, this guy is just a loose cannon, man. I, I don't know, man. People are just different, I guess. But I, I just look at this and I, I, I don't get it. Maybe he's just happy with his life. Maybe he's got enough money. Although, I'll be completely honest, I think if I had to put money down... I would say if he never gets another contract, he'll be flat broke in like 30 seconds. Because something about Antonio Brown does not quite scream financial planner. You know, taking helicopters to practice and driving around those cars and uh, all that kind of stuff. Just planning in general. Planning for your future. Making intelligent decisions for your future. Delayed gratification. That kind of stuff. Like, I'm not going to go off and do ridiculous, <clears throat> ridiculous stuff today... Because tomorrow I'd like to get a massive contract in the NFL. And then if I play like three or four more years, I can bank a bunch more money and then go be wild and crazy. But he doesn't seem to have the ability to control himself for a couple years so that he can get some big contracts, break all kinds of records, be one of the greater wide receivers to ever be in the NFL, and uh, live a happy, long, fulfilling life. He just, he has to destroy that by being crazy today. So kind of, kind of incredible to me, actually, that people are that way. I mean, at least with guys like Josh Gordon, 
the guy legitimately has a problem. Like, he's trying his hardest to be better. He just can't. He's, he's got an addiction issue. As best as I know, Antonio Brown is not addicted to anything except being kind of not smart. Which I guess also isn't his fault. Kind of just the hand you're dealt, but um, I don't know. Do some mental push-ups or something. You got to work on that. I don't know what to tell you, dude. I think you and Le'Veon should get together and do some Sudoku puzzles or something. I don't, I don't know. I think Minesweeper's pretty good. I do like Minesweeper. Get you thinking logically and whatnot. Just trying to help him. Just trying to help him out. I know he listens, uh, listens to the podcast every single day. Buys all my, ber- my merch and everything. Of which I don't have. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, shall we? Looking at their current situation, I think their cap, um, I think they're in a pretty decent spot. And, and one of the things I don't really know yet, if you look at the Green Bay Packers cap space, first of all, it went from about $40 million down to 36 according to over the cap. I don't know why. This happened right as news came out that the Packers were going to carry over about seven-ish million dollars from last year. So I had two thoughts. One is I don't know why it dropped, but it's about to go up another seven, putting them at about forty-four. The second thought I had is maybe they thought we were going to be closer to eleven million carryover. When they found out it was seven, they dropped us from forty to thirty-six, meaning we are going to stay at thirty-six. So we're either going to be at around thirty-six or we're going to be at about forty-four to spend. I don't really know. With that said, I'm not sure that this is a final number, but whatever. The Dallas Cowboys are sitting at about $46 million, which is about $10 million more than the Green Bay Packers are sitting on. Again, I don't know if there's still cap carryover from last year that isn't being accounted for by over the cap quite yet. Let me check Track really quick. Yeah, so Track has us at $34 million. So this has dropped pretty significantly for the Packers. Uh, it's between 34 to 36 according to the two of them. I tend to not believe that they still haven't gotten around to adding the carryover money from last year, considering this has been like two to three days. My guess is, which is unfortunate, they had already kind of factored this in and guessed how much carryover they would be, and they overestimated, meaning we lost cap money. Actually, I know that because I'm looking at Track right now. It does account for the 2018 rollover of $7.8 million. So I don't think it's going up. I saw a report by one of the Packers' websites saying we're at 36 according to over the cap. Add the 7.8. We're at 44.8 or whatever the point is. I, I don't think so. I think we're staying where we're at, meaning 34 to 36-ish, which is not great news. But anyways, Dallas Cowboys have a good amount of cap space. Um, one interesting dynamic, and it's not really going to help us so much uh, this year when we play them, but next year is when things start to get interesting. Next year, not only do they have a bunch of um, free agents, but it's guys like Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. It's guys like Amari Cooper. It's guys like Lael Collins. It's guys like Malik Collins. Sean Lee, um, three of their cornerbacks, Alan Hearns. I mean, a, a lot of their core players are uh, going to be free agent. I mean, Randy Gregory, but I the fact that they're even keeping him on their... Uh, you know he's not going to play. 
Are you just trying to be like the bad guys of the NFL or what? Get rid of them. Jalen Smith is another one. A very, very good linebacker. So next year is going to be a big year for them. And there's going to be a lot of money. And there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be able to come back because whatever. So the fact of the matter is, despite all the money they have today, I don't know they can bring it down to zero. Not only can they not bring it down to zero, I I tend to think some of these guys are going to be getting extensions this year. You might see Amari Cooper if they decide to keep him getting a little bit more of an extension. Probably not Sean Lee because you can kind of feel them. Actually, there's already talk about them getting rid of Sean Lee, which makes sense. They've got a couple good linebackers. Sean Lee's getting old, and it's going to help you in 2020 when you have this massive problem of we have to pay Dak Prescott his $30 million and Ezekiel Elliott's going to be one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL, and what are we going to do about all this? So 2020 is going to be a bit of a problem for the Cowboys, and it's like a lot of other teams, right? When you get these young, talented quarterbacks, eventually you got to pay for them, and it's going to be pretty tough because you've got some high-price offensive linemen who are talented, and you've got some high-price quarterback, and now you've got a high-price running back, and Amari Cooper and everybody else. So some of these guys are probably going to have to leave, whatever. But uh, that also, well, I, 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 I don't want to act like it's over because, again, there, there are a lot of really talented people, so they have to figure out how to pay them all to keep them all. But I would say that maybe another way to look at this rather than let's be cautious this year because we need to prepare for next year is this could be our last year to really push in because we have a bunch of cap space. It's the last year with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, whatever, whatever. Maybe we should try to make this a really big push, which they're already doing anyways. And I'm really not trying to be dark or morbid, but the fact of the matter is, Jerry Jones is getting up there, and he runs this thing from top to bottom. This is his team, and I'm not necessarily saying he's going to do anything reckless, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, this guy wants to get another Super Bowl while he can. And again, I'm not trying to be whatever, he he might live till he's 90 and then this isn't a problem. But I I don't see him as the kind of person that's like, I just want to set this team up for the future so that my son and everybody else, you know, Jerry Jones Jr., they they can get the Super Bowl. I I don't think he goes out and gets Amari Cooper because he wants to win in five years. He's getting Amari Cooper because he wants a Super Bowl now, today, this year. So Jerry Jones is the kind of owner that I would sort of expect, despite maybe not being the smartest thing in the world, they maybe use that $46 million to go out and, and make some hay. You know, go out and get it while the getting's good. Again, you, you've got everybody still on rookie contracts. You've got $46 million just sitting there. And that part of it would be pretty unfortunate. I'm, I'm hoping for the more responsible Jerry Jones or possibly his son or, and some other people around him to kind of temper him and be like, dude, no, we can't be crazy. we got next year coming up. But we'll see. It could be a pretty... I mean, it's, it's going to be tough either way. The, the Cowboys are a pretty good football team. They showed that down the stretch. And um, anyways, let's spend some time talking about this year, shall we? So some of the guys this year that are up for free agency, and, and again, they could get rid of some other people like Sean Lee, but the guys that we are aware of, and there's not a ton, but uh, Rod Smith, Jeff Swaim, uh, Jameez Olawale, fullback, running back, and tight end, those three guys are. Don't know that it matters all that much. None of those three guys are particularly elite, so I don't really see any reason to focus super hard on keeping them. Um, On the offensive line, they've got Cam Fleming, not an overly impressive tackle. 
Marcus Martin, another offensive lineman, a guard. Uh, he's been pretty bad for about three years, ended the year on IR. So, so far, all these guys are guys that the Cowboys aren't going to have a problem getting rid of, which, again, is good because they don't have a lot of free agents. Most of the free agents are going to say good riddance, goodbye. And, again, what do they have? $46 million sitting there. And, and remember, let's take a look at their draft picks really quick. They gave up a first-round pick. So everyone's talking about how brilliant they are, but take a look at some of their draft picks over the past several years. Take away some of their first-round picks, which even they're, they're pretty hit or miss as it is. They got Ezekiel Elliott super early. Uh, they got Leighton Vander Esch was a pretty good hit. But guys like Taco Charlton and whatnot, not very good. You look beyond the first round, you know, I, I think back uh, with uh, the year they got Ezekiel Elliott, they also got Jalen Smith. But Jalen Smith was the best linebacker in that class. He just came out injured, so nobody wanted to touch him. I don't think they've been drafting all that particularly well. My, my assumption coming into this was they're, they're doing a really good job drafting, but as I looked at it, not really. So now you take away their first round pick, and the first round I think is one of those things where you, if you're not very good, you can get lucky, especially if you're in the middle of the first. You can throw a dart, and you've got about a, you know what, 45-50% chance of getting a pretty good football player. Their first pick this year is going to be at 58, and they don't really have anything else. They got, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, and, and a seventh. Five draft picks. So again, their ability to add talent is largely going to probably come from, um, their uh, salary cap. And, and and again, it's going to be a really big decision and very interesting to monitor how they go about handling this. It's, it's you know, for me, particularly, it's going to be somewhat of a case study as someone who's just now trying to monitor the salary cap stuff, trying to learn as much as I can about it. And I have learned a ton through this year. But it's a pretty interesting situation because as of 2019, they're in a pretty good spot. They're a good team. They're good enough where you could try to make a push, but you also have this lingering 2020 issue. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. It'll be hard to remember to keep an eye on it, but, you know, we'll see. And then depending on what they do this year, if they do go in, is that going to hurt them in 2020, or are they able to, to maneuver and navigate their their monies to make it work? But anyways, other than that, they don't have anyone except a couple wide receivers, Cole Beasley and Tavon Austin. Um, I think both of these guys are essentially slot receivers. Both of them are somewhat getting up there in age. I believe I already commented on Cole Beasley to the Packers and said he's similar to Randall Cobb. You could make a case that he is a little bit better than Randall Cobb, and I think that's a fair assessment, especially if you want to do the whole, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott comparison. But I, you know, I don't know. Tavon Austin graded out about as well as Cole Beasley did. I think either of these guys are potential options, but again, the biggest problem I have, unless they come at a significant discount that you just can't get from Randall Cobb, is that you're not going to get much better than Randall Cobb. So unless the difference is essentially Randall Cobb wants $8 million and you can get Tavon or Cole Beasley for, you know, 3 or $4 million, then it's kind of like, oh, okay, they're, they're plug-ins with some modicum of talent and veterancy. Veteranship? Veterancy? I see a ship ship by sea. But anyways, that's about it. Uh, and, and they're in a relatively good spot with Amari Cooper. Um, Alan Hearns is a 2020 free agent. He's not very good, but he's there. Michael Gallup is a guy they just drafted. Again, he's, he's somewhat mediocre, but give him another year, see what happens. They've got quite a few bodies at wide receiver, and I wouldn't be surprised if Cole Beasley and Tavon Austin are both let um, let go. Um, as for the defensive side of the ball, a few more free agents, but still not a ton. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence on the edge. This is going to be a really, really big one. 
Um, this could be potentially franchise tag territory. And it's, it's an additional problem for 2020 because if you franchise tag him, now you're in a really big pro in big predicament because you don't want to franchise tag him the second time because then it becomes even more expensive. So then you're even more inclined to let him go next year because you can't franchise him and you've got all these other guys to pay. So it kind of makes sense to just give him a contract. But the problem with that is, even though it might be a little bit better than a franchise tag, you now have this contract, which has got to be close to $20 million, I would think. I mean, we're talking about one of the top edge rushers in the NFL. Um, you know, it, it's hard to structure it because on one hand, you'd like to front load it. On the other hand, you'd like to back load it. And it's kind of difficult to navigate that whole situation. But um, under no circumstance do I see them letting Demarcus Lawrence hit free agency. They have to figure out whether they're going to franchise tag him or uh, give him a contract. I suppose it's possible you franchise him this year and then tag him next year. I, I don't know. In general, I don't really understand the franchise tag. If Demarcus Lawrence is a really good football player and you want him on your team, give the man a contract. I don't understand. I mean, unless you just don't want him long term, then okay. And I guess I understand to a slight degree because he was not very good for three years and he's been, you know, pretty incredible. Top 10, basically elite PFF grades for the last two years so maybe there's some hesitation like I don't know but uh, that's going to be their big one right there is figuring out how to handle the Demarcus Lawrence situation um, and it's good for us because it despite not being good that we have to go up against him it is good that he is going to take a big chunk of their money regardless of how it happens if it's a franchise tag it's going to be a big chunk of their money if it's a contract it's still going to be a big chunk of their money and if they're not very smart enough to backload it in other words let's say it's a I don't know. I don't know if it'll get to 20, but let's just say it's a 20 million average and you want to pay him 15 million this year. You know, I mean, if, if it's a 40 million dollar or excuse me, a, a four year, 20 million a year, we're talking 80 million. If you pay him 15 million this year because you think you're slick, well, essentially beyond this, it becomes a three year, 65 million dollar contract, meaning his per year goes up to 21.6. Do you want to keep playing this game now? Would you like to push it back a little more? Because your twenty-one, your twenty million dollar man became a twenty-one and a half million dollar man at the same time that you need to sign Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and everybody else on this team. Hence, you understand my predicament. It would be a little bit better to give him a little bit more of a front-loaded contract, but whatever. Again, pretty interesting to see how they handle this situation. Uh, defensive tackle David Irving, Karan Reed, and Dayton Jones. I would have to assume Dayton is gone. He's been just horrific since forever. David Irving, they might want to hang on to. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe they're good at defensive tackle. They let them all walk. I don't know. It's a pretty stacked defensive tackle class. I don't. Then again, I shouldn't say that. It's it's stacked in the first round. Get outside of the first round and where are we at? Probably a little bit more similar to what every other um, position group is going to bring. And y'all don't have a first round pick. So again, it'll be interesting. Um, my guess, Dayton Jones and uh, Karan Reed are gone. David Irving, they're going to hang on to. Just a guess. Linebackers, Damian Wilson and Justin March-Lillard are free agents. Uh, Damian is a starter, but he is probably the worst linebacker they have on this entire team. Probably would be okay letting him go. The second worst linebacker they have on this team, Justin March-Lillard. So just, just let him go. Again, another situation where most of these guys, it's a pretty easy no from me. If you want to re-sign them, I guess, but you're just kind of throwing money down a hole. 
And it's not like they don't have players. You got Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith. You still have Sean Lee for one more year. You got Joe Thomas. You got Chris Covington. You got Kyle Chiero, whoever that is. You've got bodies. If the concern is having bodies, you got bodies. If the concern is having talent, you have talent. You don't need either of these guys. You do need salary cap. Just let them go, man. But that's it. There's nobody else. Um, so Demarcus Lawrence is the only real big decision. I don't really know of anybody else. Like, is, is a super big need. Like, we have to keep them. Beasley and Tavon are probably gone. All the defensive tackles, the linebackers, you can let them walk. Cam Fleming, Marcus Martin, don't really need them. Rod Smith at running back, not a big deal. Jeff Swain, maybe, but it, you've got a, a pile of mediocre tight ends. Just, just let this one mediocre guy go. Maybe you got to re-sign the fullback if you want to run a fullback because it's not like you can just, and I don't know, you got to pay somebody to be a fullback, and you don't just know you're going to. So, yeah, maybe you pay him whatever whatever it costs to pay a fullback. But not a, not a ton to worry about. Oh, and their long snapper. Probably want to pay him. But that's about it. Um, then really quickly going through, as I like to do, and looking at some people that maybe are not free agents, but you could let go if you want to save a little bit more money. I find it interesting because it's a little bit more about the Cowboys, but it also maybe is some people that we can keep an eye on, possibly, maybe. I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, the first one is Amari Cooper. No chance in the world they're getting rid of him. They gave up a first-round pick. He was very, very helpful. The team went from being not very good to very good once Amari Cooper jumped on board. They could save nearly $14 million with no dead cap money by letting him go. But again, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Tyrone Crawford, you know, it, it's about 50-50 between dead money and savings, but nearly $6 million, but they're not getting rid of Tyrone Crawford. Sean Lee, I mentioned, is a guy that maybe makes sense to get rid of. I think it kind of does make sense. You don't need him. You know you're getting rid of him next year. You can save $7 million moving on from him. That puts you from 46 to about 53. You can save a bunch of money with uh, leaving Lael Collins behind, but you kind of need him. He's been a relatively talented guy for you. Byron Jones, you could save a ton of money, but he's your top cornerback, so he's not leaving. If you decided to move on from Alan Hearns maybe a year early, which I doubt they're going to do because they kind of need him, but that would be another $5 million. Otherwise, just kind of a lot of ticky-tack stuff, a million here, two million there. Um, I would assume they're probably going to exercise a few of those options. But as far as big dollar amounts, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think a lot of their free agents are not coming back. I think based on that, especially because they are kind of Thinning, thinning out the herd. They're probably not going to get rid of too many people. Maybe Sean Lee would be the one that kind of makes some sense. You eat the $3 million in dead cap. Um, but, I mean, you know, again, Sean Lee didn't play very much. He's got $10 million counting against the cap. So the question is, do you want to pay $10 million for Sean Lee to play, you know, 38% of the snaps? Or would you like to pay $3 million for him to go away? And I think $3 million for him to go away would make sense. You add $7 million to your cap, you get up into the 50s, start making some stuff happen. At the very least, it gives you some money to uh, help pay for your pass rusher. Oh, and um, I just checked for fun. Um, turns out Demarcus Lawrence was franchised already last year, meaning if he does get franchised this year, going to be buco, bu buco, buku bucks. So it would be very expensive, and then again, you have a bit of a situation where what do you do in 2020? You cannot, absolutely cannot franchise tag him a third year, meaning you kind of have to either give him a contract or let him walk. Which again, why not just give the man a contract? What is the point of doing another franchise tag? He's a stud. He's not old. 
Just give the guy a three, four-year contract. What is the problem? Unless, of course, it's just Demarcus Lawrence is being, you know, he wants big-time $25 million um, contract, which I, I guess is probably the situation. Why do you franchise tag a guy? That's why. Because he's only going to say yes to $25 million and you use that as your leverage. Like, well, okay, we could offer you $25 million, we could let you walk, or we can franchise tag you. It's a pretty simple situation here. Either way, not a bad thing. Hopefully they do it. It's going to cost them a bunch of money this year. Eat away a little bit of that salary cap uh, to help them to not get free agents to stomp our faces in. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So just kind of doing a general survey of their team now and kind of comparing it to the Green Bay Packers and our ability to beat them in Dallas. First of all, they have their quarterback, Dak Prescott. Um, He's got some talents, no question, but he's not... I guess it depends on your opinion of him, but I do think he's a little bit overhyped. He graded out as the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, so I guess subpar technically, even though his grade was above average. You figure 32 quarterbacks, 16 is middle of the pack. He's 20th. So, you know, he, he can hurt you. But I think the offense as, as a whole is sort of an efficient system uh, built around a, um, you know, a lot of power, a lot of strength, strong, powerful offensive line, strong, powerful, talented, multifaceted running back who can hurt you in the pass game, in the run game, as a blocker, as everything. But talented enough to kind of manage a system like that. Uh, wide receivers, Amari Cooper, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, again, probably gone, but... Uh, he, Outside of Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper didn't even, you know, I know the narrative that the team got much better with Amari Cooper. He's graded out as the 30th best, so good enough to be a starter, but really, he actually had the exact same grade as he had in 2016, which is which is the best grade he had um, in his career, which is just good. In other words, Amari Cooper has never been very good or even close to elite, which I don't know if some people will even believe that, because there was a point in time where he was considered this great wide receiver. But he just never really has been. But he's good. And he did some stuff in Dallas, and that's kind of cool. But again, we're dealing with some decent players. And with Tavon Austin and Cole Beasley gone, it's essentially going to be Cooper, Hearns, and Michael Gallup. Um, The other dynamic is one of these guys is either going to have to go inside, or maybe they do move on from Alan Hearns because Michael Gallup is going to be full-time outside, and if Hearns can't move into the slot, maybe it's time to move on. But then we've got... Michael Gallup, who was not very good in his rookie year, hopefully he can step up. Otherwise, you have a situation similar to the Packers where you don't have a good number two. 
except your number one is Amari Cooper, who's nowhere near as good as Devontae Adams. By the way, your quarterback is nowhere as good as Aaron Rodgers, and you've got to find some talent somewhere here at wide receiver. And they really just don't have it. Maybe Noah Brown? I don't know. But so far, decent enough talent, but nobody that's really super terrifying. Ezekiel Elliott, another guy that we know is talented, but again, maybe a little bit overhyped. I never super liked him coming out of college. I've been very vocal about that. His rookie year was his best year. In 2017, he was above average. He wasn't even quite good. 2018, he got back into good, which is what he was in 2016. But again, like Amari Cooper, he's never been graded as very good. He's never been graded as elite. He was graded as the 23rd best running back in the NFL. Now, again, just just if I were to take a survey, and you know, a lot of people don't care what PFF says, but I don't care that people don't care, because it's the opinion of people who didn't watch him all year compared to a team of people who did watch him all year. You know, I know which side I'm on, but anyways, I'm guessing if I were to take a poll, most people would put Ezekiel Elliott in the top 10. Quite a few would probably put him in the top 5. He wasn't even in the top 20. Behind Ezekiel Elliott, they don't have much. They've got... Uh, no real talent. Rod Smith is their number two, a below-average running back, and he's a free agent that they'll probably let go. Um, so I don't know. That could be somewhere in free agency they look for a little bit of depth, or they just use their money to repay Rod Smith. I don't really know. Uh, the fullback, who I don't believe they use all that often, total of 131 snaps. If they decide to keep him, fine, but he's, he's not a super high-impact person. He is a pretty good pass blocker, though. Uh, they don't really have very much by way of tight end either. So, th- so the offense is efficient because it's physical. But I don't think it's super crazy to say that the Dallas Cowboys, if you have enough talent and if you can play physical football, you can just take them out of the game immediately. Dak Prescott, I don't know if he has what it takes to get over that hump if you can just take away his guy Amari Cooper. If you can suffocate the run game a little bit, which is tough because they've got some good offensive linemen, even though that's kind of dwindling. But I think if you take that away and force it into Dak Prescott's hands and do a decent job of of taking away Amari Cooper, I don't know that this offense can do very much. But uh, Tyron Smith and Lael Collins are good tackles. Zach Martin, one of the better guards in the NFL. Connor Williams is a guy they drafted. He had a pretty terrible rookie year. But um, every reason to believe, like Lael Collins, he will come around. It took uh, Collins several years to get to where he is now. Not that he's necessarily elite. He was a 31st best tackle but he did grade out as good and uh, he was another I believe first round pick so some of these guys it takes a little bit of a while for some reason but they're they're working on trying to keep this offensive line going and I do think that's the right thing to do Um, Travis Frederick also at center one of the better centers in the NFL so you've got elite center one of the best guards Connor Williams will get better Tyron Smith is one of the better tackles and Lael Collins seems to be kind of figuring it out so this, this is the strength of their offense. It's the offensive line. On defense, again, looking at, uh, well, let's start with interior because that's, you know, work our way out. It's similar to the Packers in that, and this is happening with a lot of teams, and maybe this is just the way it is. It's not hard to find mediocre to decent to kind of good defensive tackles, I guess. But there's a lot of players that are pretty good, but nobody that's super elite. Tyrone Crawford, uh, Antoine Woods. Karan Reed, Daniel Ross, they're all kind of mediocre guys. Uh, Malik Collins, Dayton Jones, David Irving, average to below average guys. Again, Dayton's probably gone. Some of these guys are probably gone. But essentially, they're they're good enough to win, so you can't look at it and say this is exploitable, but it's also not a defensive line that you're scared of. 
However, when you have a guy like Demarcus Lawrence on the outside, and he's pretty much all they have. They have Randy Gregory. Why he's still there again, I don't know. Durant Armstrong, they drafted. Terrible draft pick. Taco Charlton, they drafted. Terrible draft pick. These are all early round guys here. But Demarcus Lawrence, coupled with some decent defensive tackles, makes for a defensive line that maybe you're not super scared of, but maybe kind of should be. In other words, your guys have to play well. Uh, the, the strength of the defense clearly is their linebackers with Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. Uh, they don't have a super great third guy. Sean Lee maybe is that guy, but again, he's probably going to be gone. Chris Covington maybe could be somebody. I'm not really sure. Uh, Justin March Lillard probably gone. Possibly Joe Thomas, somebody we should be familiar with. I'm assuming that's who that is. Uh, and then corners, Byron Jones and uh, Jordan Lewis. Pretty talented guys. Jordan Lewis, I think, is a rookie second year, so he's going into his third year. But he's coming on pretty strong. Shadobi Awuzie. He actually took a step back, which is a little bit weird. He was he was drafted, I think, one round before Jordan Lewis. And Jordan Lewis seems to be playing a little bit better. But Awuzie is one of their top guys. Um, but I would say it's pretty similar to what the Packers have. Byron Jones is their number one guy. Very talented guy. Similar to Jair. Then they've got Anthony Brown, Shadobi Awuzie, and Jordan Lewis, who are all relatively talented guys. So I, I, if, if there was a, an award for most mediocre team, it would have to be the Dallas Cowboys. Outside of their offensive line, it's like the 20th best quarterback, the you know 20th best wide receiver, the 20th best running back, decent defensive line, you know decent edge rushers if you factor in a bunch of terrible edge rushers and one really good one, um, you know decent cornerbacks, and then safety Xavier Woods is just kind of meh. And then around the meh is just a bunch of complete garbage. So, I mean, clearly the defense is able to do pretty well. And I think it's because they're all good enough. And if with a team like this, if you have a good enough defensive coordinator, there aren't any really big weaknesses anywhere, right? You've got a very good edge rusher. You've got some good linebackers. You have capable corners, especially if, again, you've got a team like the Packers who currently right now just have a number one, which I know people don't want to. Some people are starting to fight back on that point. But it, it, listen, it's a reality until it's not. You can buy into whoever you want to buy into. It's possible somebody takes a step, but I can't assume that. All I have to work on is what guys gave us last year. There is no guarantee that people will take a step in round two we, we, or in year two. We know that. Everybody knows that. In fact, I would guess more often than not, people don't take a big step in their second year. Kevin King did not get better in his second year. Josh Jones did not get better in his second year. Devontae Adams didn't get better in his second year. He got a little bit worse. Geronimo got worse in his second year. Kentrell Bryce isn't getting any better. Just there's there's no end to the list. Reggie Gilbert didn't get any better. Uh, Nick Perry maybe got a little bit better, but basically flatlined for about three to four years. So there's no guarantee. Some guys did get better. So it's definitely possible. Uh, Montrevious Adams got better. Kenny Clark took a second-year leap. Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan both took a second-year leap, significant ones. Point is, though, I don't have anything to go off of that says, no, we're good at wide receiver because maybe. That's, that's, I don't know. You just can't do that. If that's the case, then we really don't have any needs. You know, we we got Marquez, we've got uh, Jamon, and we got EQ. They're all going to take second-year leaps, so we're good there. At corner... We're good. Josh Jackson is going to be a stud next year. Kevin King in his third year going to be an absolute stud. Wait till you see Jair in his second year. He's going to get so much better. Josh Jones is going to get better. 
Oren Burks, mm, is he going to be good in his second year? Kendall Donerson, oof. Wait till you see this guy. He's going to be one of the better. He's probably going to be top 10 next year. You just, you can't do that. You could get better. You could stay the same. You could get worse. And I think the odds are pretty equal between the three, except maybe stay the same because, you know, depending on the tolerance, plus or minus, you get what I'm saying though, right? Anyways, I don't even know how we got here. Point is, anyways, their defense, getting back to the last thing I remember talking about the Cowboys, maybe I was talking about a woozy, eh? maybe getting better. I don't know. Their defense is good enough that if you teach and preach just good fundamental football, which I think is what Dallas has done one better than just about any other team, except maybe the Patriots, obviously, at just teaching fundamentals and good, smart football, um, you, you know, just minimize mistakes. You've got a decent enough defensive tackle group. You've got a decent enough edge group. You've got decent enough corners. Some of them are actually pretty good. These linebackers are incredible, which is great because it's hard to run when you've got not only Demarcus Lawrence and some decent defensive front, but you've got some of the better linebackers in the NFL staring down at you. Plus, they can cover, so, you know, kind of utilizing your tight ends gets to be difficult. If you've got, oh, that's what I was talking about, Devontae just being the number one, the only number one that we have. Um, The problem with that being they've got one good corner, and a lot of teams have one good corner. So if you have one good corner matched up against your one good wide receiver and you don't have anyone else that can stress their number two who's not very good, becomes problematic for that offense. But I think it's a pretty good matchup defense. They have the potential and, and is you know, especially with Dallas. Well, you know, we could get a number two that gets better. That's true. Well, they also have uh, Chidobe Awuzie and Jordan Lewis that could get better. So where does that leave us? Call it a stalemate. But definitely a tough defense to try to scheme against as much as you look at it and go, well, there's a lot of mediocre here. I think a lot of the mediocre can be considered good enough, especially when you have guys that can pick up the slack. So tough but beatable, but you got to be on your P's and Q's. I think, you know, again, they're a very disciplined defense. They're they're talented enough at a lot of different levels. So you need to be, a, I, I think, just a, a good, strong, consistent offense. Find their weaknesses and continue to exploit it. Don't let them play their style of football or you're going to be in for a long day. As far as our defense against their offense, uh, I think this is going to be a, hopefully a decent strength for us, depending on how our defense is looking. But the biggest issue is going to be getting these linebackers up to snuff. Who are our linebackers going to be? Blake Martinez, again, had another pretty good year, but it was largely due to coverage. His run defense was not very good, which is why we need to work on fundamentals like tackling, which is ridiculous that I even need to say that, but also potentially drafting somebody or keeping Jake Ryan or any of those kinds of things. Your linebackers, along with that defensive line class and hopefully some help off the edge, is really going to help because when we go to Dallas to play the Dallas Cowboys... This offensive line is going to do everything they can to bully our defense. Don't let them bully us. Keep pushing. Don't let Elliott do much. Force Prescott to be the guy. We, we really are going to need our cornerbacks to step up. I don't necessarily see us drafting, especially early on. Maybe later on we start looking at cornerbacks, if at all. But the biggest problem with that is we don't have very good corners. That includes Bashad Breland, for those that really like that guy. At this point in time, again, we'll see. But just based off of 2018, we've got one guy that's pretty good, and that's Jair. And I'm not talking elite. I'm talking about capable, as in, like, starter caliber. But uh, definitely a limited offense, but it all starts up front. And if they start pushing you around and Elliott starts getting chunks, you're in trouble because that's when they can start throwing the ball and it becomes a serious problem, especially if our offense is struggling against their defense. Factor in a couple free agents, you know, 
could be in a little bit of trouble. So I think for our team, obviously we need some safeties, but the biggest thing is having linebackers that are capable enough against the run and needing our cornerbacks to be able to step up. Because, you know, again, making them one-dimensional one way or another is going to be beneficial. And if they're one-dimensional because they can't throw the football because Jair is, is handling Amari Cooper, and they don't really have a slot guy anymore, whoever they decide to throw in the slot, best of luck to them. And they've got a mediocre Michael Gallup on the other side going up against a hopefully improved what up, everybody, time to go to work time. Um, I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be a pretty good matchup either way, I guess. We've got uh, a wide receiver they're hoping can make a leap, and we've got a cornerback that we're hoping can make a leap. But I don't know, as, as far as prediction right now, where I'd put it. I mean, obviously, just looking at 2018, the Dallas Cowboys were a better team than the Packers. If the Packers meet their full potential, I think it's a good game. And again, I say that because the Packers offense with his full potential and hopefully the scheme part of it helps, you're still going up against a pretty tough defense. And then the question comes down to what is the Packers' full potential? Um, I like to believe it's relatively high, but we, we need people to play better than they're playing. So hopefully some of these position coaches can help. In the draft, getting some edge rushers, that would be beneficial. Um, having a edge rush or outside linebacker coach on the staff that actually cares and tries and focuses on outside linebacker hopefully will help. Getting new coaches to coach up our cornerbacks and safeties that are actually talented at what they're doing, no disrespect to some of the old coaches that seem like good guys, but our DBs have been pathetic for a very long time, and hopefully, especially with this young crop, we get some coaches that can actually help these guys because the potential's high. Jair's potential is sky high. Josh Jackson should be a very, very good corner. Kevin King has incredible measurables, but who's going to unlock that talent? I mean, they, I mean, listen, if, if, if that ends up being one of the bigger problems and just changing the coaching staff and getting somebody better just to unlock the potential of just our corners, let's just say just on defense, the one biggest thing that's going to happen with the, the coaching turnover is going to be that our corners' potential is unlocked. This, this defense is transformed instantly. I don't even care about safeties anymore. If you're telling me that, that Kevin King and Josh Jones can basically be at the level that Jair was last year, and we've got three of those guys plus Bashad Breland, that's kind of crazy. But we, we, we need guys to, to play up to their potential and just be starter caliber and not this, what well, whatever it is that we've got right now, which is just not good enough. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. That's going to be a tough game. Definitely going to be very, very interesting to see the two teams and how they handle things. The free agents that come in for both the Packers and the Cowboys, the guys that get let go for both teams. This will be a fun one to keep an eye on because this is one of the tougher ones that I've seen. Eagles obviously could be pretty tough, but there's a lot more question marks about, uh, you know, being able to afford guys and what do we do. And there's, they're in a lot more tough spots. I think the Cowboys are going to be able to retain everybody that is essentially a strength their offensive line is going to be sticking around quarterback running back sticking around number one wide receiver sticking around these linebackers are sticking around pass rusher cornerbacks every strength is going to be staying and they have money to play with so it's gonna be a tough one and again we're on the road so um should be a really good game i hope it's a really good game because the packers would need to step up in order for that to happen but anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You heard the alarm. That means I have to get going. I hope you enjoy your, what is it, Wednesday? Enjoy your Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.